Hello, 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 and welcome back to the SLP Corner podcast. I'm super excited to have Kaylee on the podcast this week. She is from Learn With Chatterboxes on Instagram, and she is on today to talk all about different settings for work as an SLP. So before we dive into that topic, would you be able to quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Kaylee and I'm originally from Ohio. I actually went to college and majored in early childhood education. So I went into speech thinking that I would be working in the schools. Um, But then I moved to Virginia, got my master's in speech language pathology and kind of switched gears and went the private practice route straight out of graduate school. From there, I worked at an outpatient and occasionally inpatient children's hospital Then I started doing early intervention on this side, and then we moved again back to Virginia, and now I am doing PRN for an outpatient children's hospital and also working in homes for a private practice doing early intervention. Um, I've contracted in preschools as well, but yeah, there's so much that we can do as speech language pathologists and... um, lots of settings to choose from. So I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about it too. I remember when I first learned about speech pathology, one of the things that really drew me to it was that we have so many different options of settings. I was fascinated by that. I'm like, wow, I could be in a hospital or a school, or I could start my own clinic or I could work as a contractor. So I feel like that's one of the really big pros of our field. But then sometimes in grad school, you don't get to experience all those. And then you're kind of like, ah, I don't know which direction to go. So that's why it's going to be nice to kind of dive in. And it sounds like you've experienced a lot of different settings. Like for me, I've just been a private contractor at private practice the entire time. So it'll be nice Mm -hmm. to hear your perspective of the different settings. So where should we start? (laughs) Maybe we could talk about pros and cons of each setting here within Mm -hmm. pediatrics. The two settings, at least I get a lot of questions about is private practice and schools. I feel like those are two things people are really interested in. And then of course, the medical SLP side of things, people have so many questions, but I don't always get those directed towards me because I have had no experience with that. When you first graduate, you have to figure out what is your number one priority? What are you looking for? That's what drove me to private practice as a CF because I really wanted to do feeding therapy. If anyone is on my learn with chatterboxes page, you're going to be like, wait, what? Like, hasn't she said her son is like the pickiest eater? Yes, he is. Um, I don't do feeding therapy anymore, (laughs) but nine years ago, that's what I wanted to do. I was determined to do it. And so I moved for a private practice because I wanted to do primarily feeding and I wanted that support within an office. That's what people need to ask themselves. And if they are interested in fluency, then maybe a private practice that has some fluency experts would be great for them. If articulation is your jam, schools are awesome for articulation. So, you know, you just have to kind of consider what's your number one, like, what do you love treating in our field? Because there's a lot that we can do. Yeah. And then also like age ranges, because I always thought like, oh, if I'm in the school, I don't get to work with toddlers. And I love working with toddlers. Mm -hmm. Like, and I love that parent coaching. And sometimes I feel like that's really missing in the schools. So maybe we could first chat about private practice. And I know every private practice is set up so differently. So it's good that we both have experience with it because we might have had different experiences even within private practice. Right. But I feel like that's something people have so many questions about. And they're like, 
interested in it, but it's kind of intimidating sometimes for various right. reasons, right? So what would you say are like some of the pros you've experienced with private practice? So in Canada, do you do a clinical fellowship as well? No. No, you don't. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Here in the States, it's so important that we get our hours and get our C's. So private practice honestly just kind of seemed like the straightest shot to getting our C's and knowing that you have a supervisor on site with you most of the time, if it's like a clinical private practice, you know, of course there's different private practices that go various places, but that was one of the things most people graduate in May and then they can't actually start their job until September. So if you want a job right when you graduate, you know, you got to get on it or take that summer off. But yeah, private practice to me, honestly, just seemed like I want to work right away. I want to make money right away. I want a supervisor on site with me. Whereas at the schools, you might have a supervisor that travels and only comes once or twice a month or whatever the minimum is. So that was another point of private practices that appealed to me. A huge pro for me is the flexibility in scheduling. But I think that also comes down to if you're working in a private clinic, one thing to think about is, are you being hired as an employee at a private practice clinic or are you being hired as like a private contractor at a private practice clinic? Because that can also be like very different and how it's going to be set up. And I think people aren't always aware of that. Yeah. That's a really good point too. Are you familiar with other ways it's set up as a new grad? If they're listening, what are the options that might be offered to them? It seems as if you are either offered a full-time salary job, you are always going to make this much money every single week, no matter if you have patients who cancel, no matter, you know, you're going to get your paid time off. So you'll get some vacation time, or you will be hired as a contractor and you will only get paid for the patients that you see. You may or may not get PTO. Um, Your rate might be a little bit higher when you break down the hourly rate, but you're not getting paid for cancel. So, you know, a pro con pro kind of needs to be done there. From my perspective, I feel like private contractor is really great. So we get a percentage of the rate instead of a salary, but then we can like charge for report writing. We charge for cancels, like things like that. But I wonder how often that would be the case in the States. Yeah. So my early intervention job is technically done through a private practice that bills the state essentially for services. And we get that percentage, but it is that higher rate and I'm technically an employee. However, I'm not paid for cancels um, because it's a higher rate. All the report writing is kind of lumped into that sum. Mm -hmm. I don't have paid time off, but the flexibility of scheduling is amazing. If something comes up and, you know, my son is sick, then I can just reschedule it, you know, to later in the month or make up that visit later. Um, and it's very flexible in that regard. So, yeah, yeah, but as a new grad, if you're trying to really budget and save money or pay off some student loans, that can be really, really frustrating. We've had a lot of, um, SLPs and new OTs leave because that has been challenging for them. So then it's like, as a new grad listening, these are all things to think about. You should be asking about, are you an employee? Are you a private contractor? Are you getting a percentage? Are you getting charged for report writing and cancels? Or is that being lumped in? There are a lot of cancels in the pediatric world. Kids get sick. Parents have a lot going on. So I feel like people aren't always aware, like that actually happens a fair amount. Like sometimes I'll book myself in for like so many kids in a day. Cause I, I know I'm going to have cancels, but right. if right. at least if they're in 24 hours or if they're a no-show 
will charge for that, which is nice. And then cons for private. One con I feel like is just that it is a bit of a high pressure job as a new grad because you really need to maintain your caseload and they can just go to a different private clinic. Depending on the private practice, you might not have as much of a say as to the type of kiddos that you are going to be seeing. For example, I don't really touch fluency. I don't really even touch articulation that much anymore. Um, but give me the AAC, give me the language, give me autism, you know, and I can kind of do that with my job where I am treated more like a contract employee. Whereas if I'm at a private practice, then I might be seeing up to 15 kids a day. Um, if it's a traditional salaried private practice job where I don't have much flexibility. Yeah. And then it's like, that's super tough salary in a private practice with that many kids per day, it can be incredibly exhausting. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So how many you see? Do you see that many? Are they 30 minute sessions? They're 45 and I see max 10. Oh, that's great that they're 45. They're 45. So we actually have a great system. It's like 60 minute sessions, 45 direct time, 15 minutes for charting and prepping that are just built in. So I can do my chart note within the 15, because then at least it's not back to back to back. Like I can have the 50, right. And we can create our own schedule, choose our own clients. But I think private practice seems just like the best. I think on Instagram, I'm at least noticing a lot of people are like really into it, but it's so dependent on the clinic. It really is. Yeah, it definitely is. Other questions to ask if considering a private practice are what are the productivity standards? Um, because that's always something that your clinic director is going to be looking at with you. Sometimes, um, I know some clinics have you, you have to meet like a certain number or else your pay might change a little bit based on that scale. I would ask about the time sessions here in the U S most speech sessions, the way the code is written when we bill insurance, they're only paid for 30 minutes. So a lot of outpatient private practices are going to push you to really only see kids for 24 minutes. And then you have six minutes to document and it's like a powerhouse over and over and over again. But if you are at a private practice where you have that autonomy to kind of make your own schedule, similarly to like how I was saying, I'm technically with a private practice for my EI job, I can choose, okay, yeah, sure. I might make more money if I stack them this way, but I don't want to do that to myself. I'm going to schedule the sessions this way. But if you are at that salary job, then you get no say because that's how they're getting reimbursed. Um, So definitely ask about um, productivity standards. Definitely ask about how long the sessions are and if 30 minutes is a requirement or how that is figured out. And then another thing I would say is CEU reimbursement too. It seems like if you're going to take a position where it is that salary job, there's usually like a CEU kind of package there for you. But if it's the more flexible paid per session, then you might not get any CEU reimbursement. Mm, Yeah, that's definitely something to think about too. Yeah. Cause like as a private contractor, I don't have insurance that comes with my job, but I also, I don't really need like that because we already have. Yes. So it's not that big of a deal for me. Um, it's more like dental, I guess, or massage, but I like can go to the doctor and it's free. Okay. But, um, but I think that's something to consider too. Cause like, I know if I worked in the school system, I would get like 
benefits and all of this extra stuff. But then at the same time, I'm, it's so dependent on like your lifestyle and how you want to like work. If you want to work really long days, four days a week, you could do private, but if you want something more stable, it might be better to be in a salary position. Private can be amazing or it can be really terrible. Like I've heard some really horror stories. Yeah. I think it really depends on like your phase of life too. Like when I started with a private practice for my CF, that was the phase of life where I was going to bachelorette parties like once a month, it seemed, and having that schedule where I worked four tens, it was amazing to be able to travel and not really have to take a day off. Or if I did, then it would be just a Monday or something. Um, so that worked really, really well when I was younger, but now having a child working four tens would not be, you know, it, it would not work. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. That's such a good point too, for new grads to consider, because it's like, for me, I don't have any kids and I'm not married. Like I'm, so I want to travel and go places yeah. and reschedule yeah. work. So I'm, I love private when you have kids, it's not going to be so easy to work until like 8 PM, come home, work that intensely long day. And yeah. it's just, yeah, logistically speaking, that's not probably going to be a big pro. Right. Yes, for sure. So it definitely depends on the phase of life that you're in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like we've really covered private. I want everyone to ask all the questions when they do any interviews at private clinics and just have all their bases covered. So hopefully they've learned some things new about that. Um, Mm -hmm. For another, so for another setting we could cover, what were the other ones that you said you had experience with? Outpatient children's hospitals. Okay. I don't have any experience with that. so. So here in the States, most Children's hospitals are going to be nonprofit. So they're going to have a little bit different of a structure when it comes to the money that they get and the money that they're paying their employees. So I personally right now love working for a children's hospital because it is the similar setup, I think, to what you have for your private practice in Canada. It's we can see kids for that hour, but then, you know, 45 minutes they're blocked on our schedule for an hour, but we'll see them for 45 minutes. We'll document, we'll have time to clean. We will have time to prep Um, because the outpatient children's hospital has more resources. We have therapy techs that help us laminate materials, help us sanitize, um, help us just be a lookout if we have a challenging kiddo and we might need, you know, some sensory materials to come in or help us set up some swings. So I feel like an outpatient children's hospital is a wonderful place to consider as well. Um, I think the pay for a new grad, when you're comparing that to a private practice, it might be a little bit less, but the benefits are usually really pretty good because they are often through their own health system. Um, Like I know where I work, a lot of the SLPs, when they go to have a baby, it's like essentially free. Um, So there's a lot of perks for working for an outpatient children's hospital too. Um, we have entire AAC clinics where we literally have like eye gaze devices on hand that we can try without needing to like get a rep in to bring it to us. We have pretty much all the resources you could imagine and think of. That sounds amazing. So is the biggest con then just like there might be a pay cut compared to private and maybe the scheduling flexibility? Yeah, that the scheduling flexibility. I mean, it's, I think the cons are going to be similar to the private practice cons in a way, like you're going to see the same kid on Monday at 9.30 AM for a while. Um, You don't really get a say in your schedule. You're going to have to ask, ask off work time in advance if you need to be off, because we need to make sure that there aren't 
you know, two or three therapists off on the same day. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's really about it. I work for a children's hospital as, um, standing hours PRN. So I'm there just one day a week, the same kids all week long. And I don't have any cons with that besides when I get the occasional, like our kid on my caseload and I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't want to lose my jobs. I can't tell my supervisor that I'm not good at R, but also like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get any CEU, um, reimbursement for either of my jobs Mm -hmm. and all of my CEUs I pay for through chatterboxes just from what I make on Instagram. Yeah. So it's really, really hard for me to justify, like if I get that one R kid, like paying a bunch of money to like learn about it, you know what I mean? And like learn the latest and greatest R treatment because I only have one. (laughs) Yeah. No, that makes, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also have to, I pay out of pocket for my CEO as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which that makes sense. Then it's like, if you have the one kid, you're like, oh, like I'm starting to learn more about motor speech because I have two kids in my caseload, but I'm like two kids and I have to do all of this training in motor speech. Right. So then, and then my mind goes to, okay, I guess I need to like get all the motor speech kids now because of that. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. And like materials and stuff too, you know, you gotta use different materials sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that can be a con just in general, I think to anything where you're not the one scheduling your kids. You're not the one picking up your kids. Cause there are facilities out there, you know, where you get total control of who you're picking up and your schedule. Yeah. I, I have that at my clinic and I don't know what yeah. I would do without that. Yeah. And so, but then sometimes you pick up a kid, you learn now mm-hmm. it's motor speech and then yeah, like, you're like, you can, Oh yeah. <laughs> like I know as much as the intake form allows, and then we can pick yeah. up intake forms as we feel, but then you're going to run into things that are like, right. that's a surprise. Oh, for sure. You're like, Oh, you're not just like a late talker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. That happens a lot. Um, mm-hmm. but it is nice to be able to at least a little bit tailor, like that flexibility of picking up which clients I want is quite nice. Cause like a new grad, it's kind of intimidating if you have like four diagnoses with one child. You're like, right. Whoa, where do I even where do I start? This? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. outpatient hospital, like what, how, what's your caseload like then compared to private practice? I don't, yeah. What, is Very that- similar. Honestly, it really just kind of comes down to where the referrals are coming from, in my opinion, and, um, location of proximity of the clinic to where that patient lives. But, um, yeah, I really don't see too much of a difference between outpatient children's and private, but I tend, when my kids age out of early intervention, I tend to refer them to the children's hospital because they're going to get sessions for 45 minutes to an hour, no matter what, whereas in a private practice, you can't really guarantee that. Um, but if there's like an amazing therapist that you know, specializes in like Maya or something, then I'll refer to like that private practice or whatnot. All right. So we've covered private hospital outpatient. How does it work in the States with like home visits? Because we hear pretty much if you're private practice SLP, you can choose to do home visits or clinic visits or both. You guys have like home health. How would you explain home health to like a Canadian or someone who okay. doesn't? So yeah, honestly, I think it depends on the state. I've heard early intervention be referred to as home health. But for me, when I hear home health, that is usually more geriatric. Like when 
somebody breaks their leg and they need physical therapy and they're sent home from the hospital, they get home health physical therapy. So to me, that's where I distinguish the difference, but I've definitely had friends who are pediatric SLPs in their state, they call it home health. So I think that's just like an umbrella term sometimes, but here in Virginia, we tend to call it just straight up early intervention for birth to three. And then home health is going to be like adults basically. Okay. So this makes so much more sense because our early intervention programs are through public health SLPs, we call them, and it's early intervention, like zero to four. Zero to five in Canada. Yeah, it's older. I've never worked with public health, so I don't have to discharge kids when they age out. I saw on Instagram, like some SLPs, they say like, I'm home health SLP, but then it seems like it does seem like they're early intervention, but they do home visits. So in what area would there be like home visits of SLP in the States? Is it private practice? And then this like home health? Yeah. So it kind of depends on the state and then within the state, it'd be, it depends on the County. So here in Virginia, for example, like where I live, there's like five counties around me and like four out of the five, if a parent is concerned, they will call the County and they'll get that referral from the County And they will have a team of SLPs either that work for their county, either that work for the government or that are contracted by a private practice that will go in and do the evaluations and do the treatment. However, like one of the five counties, like right here, they do not contract with any private practices at all. I think all of their therapists are like employees of that county. You know what I mean? So they are like, government employees, basically. But when I do early intervention birth to three, it's because I'm contracted through the private practice that I work for. That's more like a contract, but I'm an employee. It's because the county is contracting us for those services. I think that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) It's so weird. And every state is so different too. Yes. So then because we were talking about like home sessions as a new grad, what area would you be doing the most home sessions then? Early intervention. And that's publicly funded. Yes. You will either work for that county or like the agency, or you'll work for like a private practice that's contracted by, but yes, it is publicly funded. Okay. Um, it depends on the state too. I've worked in Pennsylvania where no matter the family's income, no matter what, if the child qualified it was a hundred percent covered. And then here in Virginia, it's like more on a sliding scale. So it really just depends on the state too. (laughs) Okay. For a new grad entering into early intervention, which like for Canadian new grads, it would be entering into like public health, um, SLP. Yeah. Then what would you say are some of the pros and cons of all the home visits? Cause I I've done that in my placement. So I have a bit of an idea, but now I'm all clinic based. I love home visits. They're so much fun. So they are always an hour. So that's an exception because it's like different than when you're actually going to like an outpatient facility and charging insurance, if that makes sense. So early intervention sessions are always an hour. Well, I guess I shouldn't say always because I'm just in Virginia. I don't know. (laughs) Usually they're an hour, Mm -hmm. Um, but you get to work with the families. You get to see what day-to-day life is for them. You get to see their concerns like up close and personal. And instead of doing direct treatment, you really should be following like a coaching model and teaching the parents how to teach their kids. Um, So it's not really any like tabletop activities or anything like that. Um, 
sometimes I just follow the kid around <laughs> and try to get them away from the TV in like a polite way. Um, and one of the challenges with home visits, um, obviously our job does not discriminate kids who would benefit from our services. So you could go into um, a home where the family has less resources and maybe they don't have any toys and you are working with household objects and teaching parents how to work on language development strategies using like pots and pans and Tupperware and spoons and teaching them during meal times and their bath time activities through walks. Um, and then you might have, you know, a house where they've got trampoline, a pool, a playground, and it's like a therapist's dream, you know? Um, so I think that's one of the challenges of early intervention visits is you just kind of have to go with the flow and be really confident in, okay, how can I make this therapeutic to help this child? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like home visits can be so great because they're, sometimes I find parents come into the clinic and then they might feel pressure. Like, do I have to buy this toy now? Or, oh, yeah. I feel like they oh, just yeah. did that well because of all the toys and the way the room set up and, or, right. oh, they just do that well when they're with you, not me. So I feel like there's so many pros to home visits in that sense. Yeah, for sure. But then as a new grad, it's like kind of stressful. I imagine going into a house and then being like, um, there's no toys. My plan that I had yeah. is just like not yeah. happening for sure. And then I think for a new grad, I would have been intimidated to do early intervention because I really wanted a good supervisor who could walk me through, be like right down the hall if I had any questions. And you usually just don't get that with your home visits. Um, but that can be a pro for some people too. If you are really good at working independently and you might get like nervous around a supervisor, then that might be awesome for you. Yeah, that's a really good point too. And like for Canadian SLPs, that um, one thing I also wanted to say for Canadian SLPs listening is like, we don't have the CF here. So it's so vital that you get your first job somewhere that has mentorship because yeah. if they don't have mentorship, that is really very stressful. Yeah. Like yeah. I've had friends who had to leave jobs within a couple of months because they're like, I was lost. When I talk to some SLPs from the States, they're like, you're so lucky you don't have a CF. I'm happy we don't have to have one because it's just like, you know, extra time yeah, not being right. able to be a full-fledged SLP. But at the same time, you really have to be cognizant of entering into a spot that has mentorship. And right. yeah, I find like private clinics can actually be good for mentorship because there are a lot of SLPs there. Sometimes yeah. in school, you're kind yeah. of solo, I find. Like there's yeah, not as much right. support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we've kind of covered home health or I call it home health. Cause I always associate that, with, but early yeah. intervention, <laughs> outpatient hospital, private. Are there any other settings you've experienced with, or you think that new grads in the States might want to learn a little bit more about? Yeah. So schools, you can either work for a school district or you might be privately contracted through mm -hmm. a school too. It might be, you know, similar questions like, am I a salary? Am I paid through the school district? Am I paid? only when school's in session or am I paid 12 months? Um, if your contract, like, do you have to do bus duty? <laughs> do you have to do lunch duty? Things like that. Like any school responsibilities within that school or within that district, apart from just doing like 
your contracted responsibilities as a speech therapist serving that school in that county. Um, I went into a, some private preschools through a private practice as well. And that was kind of an interesting, weird little niche within speech therapy, I guess you could say, because it, I guess it was, it was mostly for parents who like didn't really have time to take their child to outpatient services, but their child wasn't yet going to public schools. So these are kind of the kids that like might fall through the cracks with needing services because they're older than three. And then when you are working for like a privately contracted private practice, going to a school like that, like parents are going to have to pay out of pocket. So that's another thing. I think no matter what setting you're in, what insurances do you take? Um, how are families paying? Because if they are paying out of pocket, you might get more um, cancellations. If something financial comes up, if it's state insurance that we're billing, we can't still bill for sessions. If they cancel, you can't do that. If we're billing Medicaid, for example, because the government's not going to reimburse like a session that didn't take place. But yeah, anyways, back to the preschool that I contracted with um, through the private practice. That one was honestly like kind of a hard sell for me to tell parents because I would want to have this relationship with parents and want to tell them what their child was working on, but I never met them. It was like all through email. And so I don't see that, you know, clinically being very beneficial for many families. Like I wouldn't want that if my child needed services, I want you to tell me like how the session went, what I can work on at home. And of course I would send homework home and everything, but it just is so much harder when you don't have a relationship with that parent. So I guess, you know, schools in general, that's again, maybe a pro you don't have to deal with parents or, you know, that's actually you don't get to deal with parents. Yeah. I've heard people say that they're like, I love the school. Cause I don't have to interact with parents. Right. And I'm like, I just feel like my therapy doesn't move forward when there's no parent interaction. But then exactly. I know the feeling yeah. like some people get really anxious around parents or they don't want to. What? Yeah. Yeah. So I, but it's like, oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Right. And then the IEP meetings too. I mean, the schools can be a lot, a lot of paperwork, um, but so can private practice. <laughs> so in Canada, like. I don't know how it works with IEP meetings in the States, but we don't run the IEP meetings. We don't write the IEP. Like we just, as the resource teacher does that. So we just kind of consult in and share our goals, but it seems like SLPs in the States do a lot more paperwork regarding the IEP. Yeah. I think it just kind of depends on the school and the child and what the child needs and you know, what's going to be happening during that meeting. Um, But yeah, I've worked with a lot of school SLPs being at the outpatient children's hospital, just like corresponding about like an AAC device. Um, Like that process is totally different in the schools than it would be like for a medical um, facility because they have to like get the funding from their school district. They may or may not be able to take it home. So then it's like, okay, they have this AAC device. They can't bring it home but I want them to have an AAC device that they can take home. So then you're, you know, kind of, so that's something to consider too, is how AAC works. If that's something that um, you plan on doing yeah. when working in a school or outpatient clinic, because um, that's a huge part of 
what school SLPs and private and medical SLPs do. That's a really good point because that's the same thing here. Oftentimes they can't take their AAC devices home. Right. And it's just so upsetting because then they have it at school, they go home, they don't have any of the tools and the parents aren't really familiar with the goals that the SLP is working on. And it's like a huge They've never gotten, yeah, they've never gotten like caregiver training to like learn how to use word finder and like, you know, things like that on a device. Yeah. Okay. So school, early intervention, private, outpatient hospital, that's so many. I'm so happy we're able to go through all of this because I know like as a new grad or honestly, even an SLP, maybe who's worked in the same setting for a long time is kind of like what is another setting like, like that's such an exciting part of our job that we can switch, but it can be intimidating. And sometimes you might think like just private practice is always this way when really it can be so many different ways and the way it's set up. So I feel like that's all helpful for people to kind of be thinking about when they're entering the workforce. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have any last pieces of advice or anything for new grads entering the workforce, looking for jobs, anything to leave them with? Figure out what's important to you as an SLP clinically, and then figure out what is important for your lifestyle. If you want summers off, schools are a great way to go. You know, if you want that flexibility to be able to travel a couple times a year and take some good vacations throughout the year, not only in the summer, then private or outpatient might be the way to go. So whatever you need to do to have a good work life balance, because it's really important that you don't burn yourself out. Definitely. I agree. Kind of figure out what will work the best with your lifestyle and make sure you have at least for Canadian SLPs. I'm not entirely sure it works with supervisors. Do you get to choose your supervisor? No. Okay. So at least with Canadian yeah. SLPs, make sure you vibe with your mentor and that's a yeah. good relationship because that's going to be sure. really important. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? Are you anywhere else other than Instagram? No. Instagram's <laughs> your main thing. Okay. So learn yeah. with chatterboxes on Instagram. If you aren't following Kaylee already, you probably are <laughs> head over to her Instagram. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was nice to meet you on here. Yeah. <laughs>